condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. The world for people who think... Hello, welcome back to Behind the Headlines. I'm Harrison Cayley. In the studio with me today, Elon Martin. Hi, everyone. Joe Quinn. Hello there. And Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. Today, we're returning to the subject that we have returned to probably around 100 times in the last year and a half or two years, um, Trump and Russiagate. Because big news, huge, huge news this past week. Apparently, Russiagate has totally found it's huge. totally huge. It's it's number one villain and criminal, uh, Mike Flynn. He's been indicted for the supreme crime of lying to the FBI. And this proves that Vladimir Putin rules the world. Because Vladimir ah. Putin instructed Michael Flynn to lie to the FBI about Israel, apparently. Well, that that's I guess that's what's going on here. So anyways, uh, the Mueller investigation um, finally indicted Mike Flynn. This has been, a lot of people have been predicting this would happen because he's been, you know, one of the alleged top targets in the investigation. So they got him. He flipped. But uh, when you look at the details, there's not much to it because they got him for lying to the FBI. What apparently happened is um, right, you know, four days, I think, after Trump's inauguration, um, the FBI interviewed Mike Flynn about his talks with the Russian ambassador, Kislyak. And um, Mike Flynn apparently told them some uh, some little lies. <laughs> he didn't, well, he, he apparently, you know, we don't have the exact transcripts of uh, what he said he said and what he actually said, but apparently he lied to them about the things that he'd said to them when, uh, you know, what he apparently said was that, um, he asked them not to basically to go easy on on um, retaliating after um, Obama introduced some sanctions, you know, last minute sanctions at the end of his term and basically saying, hold off, guys, you know, um, you know, we don't want Obama's decision to influence, you know, our policy and our relationship. So if you guys could just, you know, um, res- you know respond in a reciprocal manner, um, don't escalate things, that'd be great. And um, so Kislyak apparently then told, um, you know, the Russian government and Putin that. And if we remember what happened, Putin not only didn't, um, you know, respond um, proportionally, he didn't respond at all. He said, OK, well, we're not going to do anything. So that was a, a nice, a nice little gesture on Putin's part, um, kind of putting Obama in his place, uh, showing how petty he was. But anyways, Flynn lied about that. He apparently also lied about um, another um, purpose of the one of the like three I think calls to Kislyak, which was someone in the Trump transition team, um, widely believed to have been Jared Kushner, had asked Flynn to request of the Russians to delay um, a UN resolution, and this was the big resolution in December, um, where the U.S. abstained from um, a resolution against, was it Israeli settlements, I yes. believe? 
So this is the first yeah. time that, that the U.S. abstained. They've also always vetoed this resolution. So the so Kushner via you know via well Netanyahu I guess had asked um, Kushner or you know someone on the Trump team to do something about this because um, it's you know bad news for Israel and Flynn it took the the job got put on Flynn to talk to Kislyak to, to basically say oh just hold off on this a, a bit um, again you know do us a favor because this is Obama's policy and uh, you know we'll have our own policy and if you wait a bit you know um, that would be great for us and great for Israel. And again, you know, um, the, it was a kind of a dumb move because Russia is very clear on its, you know, Israel-Palestine policies, especially in the UN. And so they didn't, um, you know, they didn't delay it and the, the vote went through and, uh, and, uh, the U.S. was the only one that abstained. So Flynn, um, lied about this apparently to the FBI. This is also what he lied about to, uh, to Mike Pence when he was talking about these conversations. So that's pretty much it. Um, no, like, and this all took place after, uh, the election. We should keep in mind because the whole, the whole uh, premise of the Russiagate investigation is to, you know, uncover, um, Russian Trump team collusion to, you know, subvert American democracy and steal the U.S. election or influence, in, influence it in one way or another. And, um, you know, this is the biggest uh, indictment that comes after <coughs> Papadopoulos and uh, who was the other guy? Um, Carter Page. Manafort. 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 <clears throat> and um, so this is kind of the biggest one, but even, even still, um, nothing to do with Russian collusion. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, yeah, Flynn was talking to the Russian ambassador, but this was routine business. There was nothing illegal about it. Um, a clip even, you know, resurfaced from uh, January of this year of Mike Toner at the State Department ask, answering a question and basically saying there's no problem with, uh, you know, with Flynn talking to, to Kislyak. Um, it's just what, you know, he's supposed to do. Um, what's weird about it and the thing that that is um, – um, out of the ordinary is the whole Kushner angle that, uh, you know, that they were asked that, well, allegedly Kushner had asked Flynn to basically try to influence the Russians on this Israel thing. That gets into a, um, you know, a gray area because, well, possibly even a, an illegal area with the Logan Act, you know, which in and of itself is kind of, uh, you know, nothing because no one's been charged with for Logan Act, you know, violations for, you know, I don't know. 80 years or something um, because that was basically what Kushner and Flynn were doing were, were steering, um, you know, diplomats and policy when they weren't actually in government yet. So, you know, if they were talking about things that they were going to do once they, you know, the new administration actually came in, that would be one thing, but they were actually trying to influence, you know, events at the UN when they weren't actually in government. So that might be kind of shady, but funnily enough, that involves uh, Israel and not Russia. And there has been a history for decades of, you know, collusion between uh, Americans and uh, Israelis, you know, subverting American democracy. But no one talks about that. And yet, uh, so maybe this should be an Israelgate um, investigation. That might be something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they, they, maybe they'd actually have a lot more success if they went that direction because they'd, you know. They'd be able to find all kinds of stuff. They could probably indict everyone, like all of them. <laughs> well, we we should definitely get to that. I was just just wanted to say that this whole uh, persecution of uh, of Flynn just underscores the fact and what 
you know, and what's recently come about that the whole Russiagate uh, uh, fiasco is nothing but hot air. And um, it seems like they had to get him on something. So, you know, they, they pull all of these uh, what's called process um, uh, errors or, or, or laws. Uh, you know, he, he was working outside of the legal process uh, into the fold and um, and are, are just doing it to perpetuate uh, this myth of Russian collusion when if you just scratch this just a little bit more deeply, you see it has absolutely nothing to do with uh, Trump and Russia uh, working together on any level. Well, one interesting, one more interesting thing about this is that the 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 reason that the FBI were able to determine that Flynn was lying to them was because prior to them interviewing him, they had transcripts of his calls with right. Flynn because they were they were surveilling, uh, you know, all of Kislyak's um, communications. Mm-hmm. So they basically had a, a transcript of the calls between Flynn and Kislyak, you know, you, so you can just picture them. They've got the transcripts in one hand and they're looking at Flynn. They say, okay, and what did you say in this call? You know, well, kind of an exaggeration. They didn't have the the papers right with them. But um, they basically were trapping him. They knew what he'd said. They had no reason to interview him. They were just trying to catch him in a lie. Yeah. And which is a gotcha moment. Yeah. And that's that's all it was. So why? Catch him in a lie for what purpose? Well, I, I don't know. That's that's where we get into speculation. What do you think? Uh. Well, both things, they haven't got him on anything. Yeah. They haven't got him on anything. This whole situation started out as a Russian collusion, right? We're going to investigate. Because Trump fired Comey, like, oh, my God, quick, call Superman, call the F- call, call Mueller in, you know, get, get, get former older FBI man in, and he's going to lead a grand jury, uh, which, which, was, which was absolutely ridiculous in the first place because the uh, Justice Department, Trump's Justice Department, uh, could have investigated this uh, without having any kind of conflict of interest because there's there was nothing there in the first place uh, to tie Trump or, uh, to, to any Russian collusion at all. There was no evidence. The whole point about this is is that these people do not have evidence of a crime before. They, when you convene a grand jury, you're meant to have evidence of a crime. You don't just convene some kind of witch hunt kind of ad hoc group to go and let's let's just let's just investigate stuff and see what we can get out of this it's nonsense the whole thing is absolute and utter nonsense and what galls me the most about it is well i'm sort of not galled by it i'm more just um more just like gobsmacked about it really uh that the uh the media and these nut job delusional crazy schizophrenic People in the media and anybody who gives any credence to them are actually perpetuating this against all of the evidence that there's absolutely nothing there. I mean, you know, it's called a transition for a purpose, for a reason, right? The transitional government means that there's a transition where you kind of hand off. So before Trump is officially inaugurated and his team takes over, there's a kind of handing off. So you got, okay, so what are we doing here? So who are we talking to? So you got to start talking to people. So the thing like you were saying that Flynn was doing i.e. talking to the, the the Russian UN ambassador is like, and what? what? What's your point? Well, he talked to a Russian. Oh, yeah. And what did he say? Well, he said, uh, he, he, he asked him uh, to not react to the uh, sanctions that Obama had imposed. Okay. 
And what's your point? Well, he, he was Russian. And he talked to him about that. But he was the ambassador from Russia. And he talked to him. But he's supposed to talk to the ambassador from Russia. I know. But he, but he talked to him a Russian. That's the problem. But I'm having a dialogue with myself here. You know? <laughs> it's like, and what? But he, well, he talked to him about Obama's sanctions. And he asked him, he asked the Russian ambassador to ask the Kremlin not to react too badly to the san- sanctions that Obama had imposed. Right? And what's your point? Well, he was a Russian. And what's your point? Russia! That's my point. I mean, it's it's absolutely inane. That's the level uh, that we're dealing with. And yet, this has taken up millions of words and loads of space on the interwebs via the mainstream media as if it's news, as if there's anything to it. And then you have the second one. After this, he goes and talks to... Uh, he, he talks to uh, Kis, Kislyak again and says, hey, uh, Obama just, uh, Obama was kind of hard on Israel, you know. This is Flynn saying to Kislyak, Obama was kind of hard, hard on Israel. And uh, he, he we're, we're hoping that you'll uh, not, Russia will like kind of delay or, or, or kind of uh, veto the UN resolution or to subject to the UN re- resolution uh, banning illegal Israeli settlements. That's what Flynn says to Kislyak. So could, could you get the Kremlin or could you get Putin or whoever? Or, well, you actually, Kislyak, can you kind of vote in, in favor of Israel in this resolution upcoming? And Kislyak comes back and says, nah, we're going we're gonna to vote against. We're going to vote for the resolution condemning Israeli settlements. Mm-hmm. And Flynn says, oh, well, okay, shit, thanks. <laughs> and then, and then, <clears throat> so that's, that's, there's collusion right there for you. And, uh, and, and, the, and the media is crapping their pants about this. Look what Flynn did. What did he do? He talked to the UN, the Russian UN ambassador about about a, a, a UN resolution on, on Israel and he got a negative response. Well, what's your point? What, what, where's the collusion there? What, what, what does this got to do with anything? Well, he was Russian. He talked to a Russian. The same Russian he talked to before, but it's a Russian. And that's your point? Yeah, that's my point. He was a Russian. And, you know, so this is, Flynn is the, what, the third person? Um, yeah, third or fourth. I can't remember if Carter Page was... No, it wasn't Carter Page. It was your man, uh, R- oh. um, Rich. Uh, Rich Papadopoulos. No, yeah, your man, there was, was a guy who went down with Manafort. Um, Papadopoulos. Oh, yeah. No, 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 that was a separate guy. He was the first guy, George Papadopoulos. Uh, there was two guys, Manafort and his buddy, um, basically. And they they were um, indictment against Manafort and his buddy house has twelve counts uh, with accusations of conspiracy to launder money, being an unregistered agent of a foreign principal, and making false and misleading foreign agent registration unit statements, the foreign statements. Uh, and so is that what's? Oh well, that sounds pretty bad. He was like he was a for a couple of months. He was a, a Trump campaign manager way back in the early days. Uh, what, what what I mean who. Who was he an unregistered agent of? A, what foreign principal was he an unregistered agent for? Was it Russia? No, it was Ukraine. Oh. What's that got to do with Russia? Uh, and nothing. So, so why are you talking about it? Why are you, why are you putting it into this Trump collusion story? Because? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Manafort's Ukraine and Flynn is, Flynn's history is actually lobbying on behalf of the Turks. Of oh, the Turks, yeah. <laughs> so what's it got to do with Russia? Uh, nothing. It's kind of close. You just cross the Black Sea and you see yeah. Russia is right there. And then so the first guy, then Papadopoulos, 
he's like way back in uh, April last year. He's this like no nobody kind of a kind of Trump campaign gopher, basically lobbyist, whatever you want to call him. And the problem with with Trump's campaign at that point in time was that everybody was laughing at him. No one wanted to have anything to do with the Trump campaign because you know nobody gave him any credence. So he was having a, he was having trouble getting people to work in his campaign to do stuff for him, right? So he, he got all these kind of nobodies in, uh, George Papadopoulos being one of them, who, who went around and tried to kind of drum up some support or make, make like they were playing in the big league type thing. So he goes to uh, he goes to England for some meetup with uh, an English professor who supposedly had um, contacts, high-level contacts with Russian agents, whatever, uh, and the Kremlin agents. And so this guy, this prof, nobody knows who he is. He could be working for British intelligence, who knows? Uh, and he's feeding this this bogus information, supposedly from Kremlin agents, uh, about the fact that they have dirt on Hillary Clinton. They have like some emails from Hillary Clinton and stuff. And this is before the the Clinton, well, the Podesta emails came out several months before they came out. So the only thing that was known at that time was that Clinton, the big thing that was in the news or had been in the news before then, was that Clinton had been uh, using uh, a personal server for her, for you know, for. State, State Department emails. That was the only thing that was happening. So this, this professor in England supposedly told Papadopoulos, we have dirt on Clinton and it's, we have her emails and stuff. And uh, he never got the emails. They never turned up. The only link there is potentially with a few months later that the emails that were hacked from Podesta. So the whole thing is like, and this guy Papadopoulos isn't even, um, he, he was indicted on basically on, on some kind of process of telling a lie about whether or not he met some this guy or not in England. So it's all like just basically getting little, little white lies that have nothing to do with Russia or anything. And this is meant to be a big case that everybody's meant to, you know, go like wet their pants over or something. So the whole thing is just, uh, when you actually look at it, it's it's just staggering um, that um, that this is actually happening. It's a massive put-up job. It's a transparent Manufactured, uh, you know, uh, allegation effectively against against the Trump administration and against Donald Trump that has absolutely no evidence to back it up, back up these allegations, and yet the media writes reams, uh, uh, tons and tons of words and articles as if there is evidence for any of it mm-hmm. when there's not, and everybody can see that there's not. But they still write as if there's evidence for it, and they just kind of like they, they they seem to try and make a case by letting it just hang there, you know, uh, as if to say, you know, well, you know, Trump. And at this point, what they're actually what they rely on is, well, people that Trump kind of knew or had in his administration for a brief period of time talked to a person of Russian origin once or twice. So you know what that means. Uh, well, and the, no. What does it mean? And the media even, uh, it's like they they believe their own propaganda now. It's uh, They're they are totally in the, like, the depths of, uh, um, what's that cognitive bias? Um, where everything Confirmation bias? Yeah, confirmation bias. Because even that, well, either that or they're just, um, you know, deviously lying, uh, lying about it and they know that they're doing that. Like the recent yeah. uh, ABC, was it ABC, Brian Ross? Who um, put out that uh, that little report saying that that Flynn was charged or Flynn had 
you know, done these things before the election. And, and then of course, you know, uh, that, that report kind of goes semi-viral over the internet and then they issue a, a, a clarification, which should have been, you know, a retraction and a correction, not just a clarification that it was actually after the election because the whole point, you know, if, if it was before the election, that at least might be some kind of, um, it looks better to the to the narrative that there was, you know, Russian American, you know, Trump collusion, you know, before the election for the purpose of, um, you know, messing with the election. But uh, they had mm. to take that back and say, oh no, actually it was after the election. And uh, I think Brian Ross has now been, uh, you know, fired or you know relieved of his duties in one way or another. So like even the even people in the media, you know, they're so convinced that the story is true that every little bit of evidence that that is you know it's hard because it's not even like tangentially re- related but every little thing mm-hmm. that can be possibly be read in a way to support the narrative in some way it's seen yeah. as further confirmation that it's actually true even though there's I, nothing to it right i have a uh, here's an example of it here from a guardian report on the on this flynn guilty plea in quotes um it says a day after the Russian sanctions conversation between Flynn and Kislyak, Trump tweeted that Putin was, quote, very smart for withholding reciprocal sanctions against the U.S. Mm-hmm. You see, just a day after. And that's a very close coincidence now. Now, what does that tell us? It, the Guardian won't go on to spell it out what it tells us. You and I are supposed to go, oh, yeah. right, right, it's all right, right. innuendo and, and baseless innuendo, basically. And uh, But obviously, behind all of this, what's the point of all of this? What's the end result, I suppose? The end result is this, as someone just posted in the uh, in the chat room, uh, Mike just posted, he said he saw a car today with uh, block letters spelled out in the back window, was dump Trump Putin's chump. <laughs> so the people in America who are... Uh, kind of susceptible to this have been hystericized with this anti-Trump and anti-Putin hysteria. And this has been going on for quite some time, you know, for several years, as we know, we've talked about before. There's someone there's someone in the U.S. Congress and the people who control them are themselves in hysterics uh, over Russia and what Russia is doing on the global stage. And all of this is aimed at pushing back or demonizing or otherwise hurting in some way Russia. Uh, for, because, because, well, because Russia, I mean, that's the whole point. Like we're making a joke of it because Russia, because Russia, but yeah, that's actually what's in their heads. They don't explain it. They don't, they don't spell it out, obviously, but that, that's what's in their heads because Russia. But if you ask them why Russia, well, then we can enumerate all of the different reasons why America has every reason to be afraid of Russia. Uh, but this is how it filters down with this nonsense propaganda lies. It's a, it's a propaganda war, basically, and nothing more. But it's bizarre that it's actually uh, been taken up by the, 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 the politicians and the establishment in the U.S., and that propaganda war is being fully waged uh, by them. You no, know, they're playing their part, I suppose. The media obviously plays its, its significant part. And then, but the politicians themselves, by pulling in Mueller and having this 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 grand jury, etc., um, is is the political uh, component actually playing their part in the propaganda campaign? And it's absolute nonsense. And it's embarrassing because they have no evidence. They keep digging, and they have no evidence whatsoever. The only thing I can think of that 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 might have any sense to it in terms of what they're doing with this 
uh, grandeur and doubting people like this guy Manafort and stuff is that they're trying to, uh, well, they're trying to scare, I suppose, anybody in Washington who might have been uh, working in some kind of a mutually beneficial way with Russia. Obviously, Russia has have their, have their lobbyists or had their lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and this process is an attempt to root all those people out and prevent Russia from having any access or any positive dealings with America whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. these people are so hysterical that they think that even if Russia were to come, any, any influence Russia has within, any normal influence Russia has, like any every other country in the world who has a lobbyist and talks to people and tries to make deals, that that is, that is like absolutely the worst possible thing that could happen to America, that Russia would have any influence whatsoever, even to the point of doing a beneficial deal, because you can never be sure. They're, they're basically massively paranoid and have lost the plot about Russia. And this is evidence that they do not know what to do. When you start resorting or when you resort to these kind of measures, it's pure desperation. And I can only imagine, I mean, we can't imagine what (laughs) it must have felt or what Russia must have been, must have done to these people. That's the question should be asked of people like John McCain and all the rest of them and Mueller and whoever else can be identified. It's like, what what did Russia do to you? I have an idea. You're so... I mean, you must really, you really hate them. What did they do to you? You poor, poor man. What did Russia do to you? They took away our hegemony. What? Yeah, that's one way of imagining how they can see it. They made us look bad. Humiliation, they made us look bad. On one level, it's, um, it's rivalry. So if you were to corner them, you could, as you say, get them to enumerate each of the reasons why geopolitically, the, the honest reasons, imagine you could get them to, you know, really list it out. And they would be good, rational reasons, albeit, I mean, from the point of view of hegemony, which is, is done. Mm. <laughs> so in a sense, they would be illogical, but we could understand where they're coming from. That's what they're used to. That's what they're brought up in that culture. Of, we're the best. But there's something else to it as well. There's, there's an, another irrational aspect that I think is a, a little bit deeper. I think the beef with Russia is in a more fundamental way about not letting Russia set an example of going independent. So here it isn't so much a rivalry between the US and Russia for spheres of influence or hegemony or global influence, whatever. Rather, it's the globalist thing that has the U.S. in its grip, speaking through the U.S., saying, no, 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 you you cannot do that. You cannot go your own way. No, there'll be no sovereignty, and we're going to show the rest of you. And no one goes independent here by making an example out of them, by dehumanizing them, by portraying them as evil in every possible way. This is why it goes to the level of um banning them from Eurovision, of banning their athletes, even mm. the ones that are known to be clean, mm. from participating in the international sports events, from suggesting that people should not go to their country when they hold sports events because they might be killed because Russia. Um, it, it gets down to this deep, deep level because Russia is a serious problem from the point of view of something beyond just even pure power politics. Yeah. It's... Um... It's it's really, I don't know, it's bizarre. And that's why you can have this 
this cognitive dissonance between Trump, who's being sincere and he says, this is ridiculous. Mm. And in the, ba- in, in the back room, when he's being honest with the generals and the neocons and whoever he has to deal with on a daily basis, he's probably saying to them, look, for God's sake, what's your problem? We can maintain a lot of control and resources. And yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm all for it. Mm. Tell me where to go. First country I'll go visit, Saudi Arabia, no problem. Maintain the petrodollar. I'm with you. I hear you. So it's ideological. But, but, but then he's saying, well, cannot we not do that and not, you know, bash Russia, get into a serious risk of conflict with them and so on? Because he's not getting them or not getting either. It's something deeper. It's ideology. Ideology. Yeah. Hmm. There's something, it's more, it's not just the ideology of power. It's, it, it as in, in a practical way, it's, it's more about, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I don't know, it's, it's more about the idea of, um, no country can be uh, can chart its own course. That's a real affront and a slap to in the face to the, the, these people in the U.S. who have who see themselves as being the directors of the course of the entire planet and any one upstart. And the thing is, like we're joking out on there, what did the, what Russia must have done to these people? Well, probably Russia didn't do very much at all, which exposes just how hollow. Or how fragile and, and fake the the American hegemony or American global leadership really was, when all you had to have was one country, all right, a big country with a lot of resources, but they simply stood up and say, "No, nah, we're not going to go along with you anymore. We're basically going to go our own way and, and make our own make our own way in the world to the best of our ability." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like a death blow to these people. So, how fragile must you have been if that's all it took? For one person to stand up and say no, it's even the th- you almost think it's it's just the idea, or just the fact of them saying no. It's like you know, I think, shook them to their core, basically. No, I think that's why they connect Trump with Russia, because Trump is threatening to at least do a little bit in his four or eight years available to him to extricate the U.S. from the grip of this global thing, hmm. and that. They, they themselves are saying a lot by connecting the two. When there's no, when we're just saying there's no evidence, there's no connection whatsoever. Mm. By saying, ah, right, okay, shit, it's manifesting again. They're just trying to get break out of the prison. Okay, we need to keep him down. We'll keep him down by tying him with mm. that evil we just painted over there. Because mm-hmm. there is no connection. It makes no rational sense, right. except from the point of view of another. Roughly populist sovereignty type guy or woman in some countries' cases coming to power with very much talking the anti globalist shtick, more hmm. or less. Well, cooperation, they're talking cooperation instead of domination. Yeah. And Trump was talking cooperation. He, he, he came with the, the art of the deal, basically, you know, let's, let's, let's do business, you know. And that was, to some extent, uh, that, that would have gone down well in, in Russia because Russia has always just wanted to basically make deals with people. And we've got stuff, we want to sell it, you want to buy it, whatever. And uh, that's just, uh, the art of the deal is not the way, uh, not the way it is. It's, it's yeah. the, art, the art of us telling you how it is and you saying, thank you, sir. This would explain, if you think of it on a multi-level scale, this would explain why dissidence in any of its manifestations is being tied with Russia. If you're a lefty in the UK, mm. tied with Russia. If you're an anti-fracking campaigner, mm. 
NATO Russia said, did. oh, Russia's behind that. Russia's is, Russia is paying environmental campaigners to be anti-fracking so as to hurt us and to gain advantage for Russia. They seriously spelled out that scenario. Um, if you're if you're anything, I mean, if you're pro-traditional values, if you're uh, if you've got economic, if there's any any and all, it's coming together in a, in a way that's really astonishing to see. But it it makes sense to me anyway. That dissidents not going with the ideology established order. is equated with Russia because Russia is saying, you know what, we like some aspects of your ideology, but the rest, no, thank you. Hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's uh, these people are insane. Go ahead, Atlan. Yeah, I was just going to say it is really astonishing to see. Um, recently, uh, when Trump met on the sidelines of one of these global events with Putin, John Brennan did his usual and came out and said, "You know, oh, he's he's making a big mistake in in, in trusting and talking to Putin." Uh, there was another time where James Clapper, head of the NSA. And by the way, the, these two Bobsy twins of intelligence agencies, uh, Clapper and Brennan, have been like the poster children of uh, paranoia, uh, Cold War thinking, and just pathological hatred of Russia. At one point, Clapper was on uh, one of these morning programs, I think it was, and, and made a statement. He just comes out right out and says it. He's like, you, you, you can't trust the Russians. I don't know, you know. I know these people. They're they're liars. Yeah, they're congenitally <laughs> like liars. Congenitally, <laughs> that was the word. It was like the, these people are genetically uh, predisposed to to uh, being manipulative and 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 cutting us down, and we can't allow that for the sake of democracy. So you know, you hear these guys talk, and um, and of course, you know, Clapper and Brennan are are known liars and known manipulators for the U.S. deep state. If you, if you just look a little bit into their histories and yet they're projecting all of this kind of vile um, uh, kind of character flaws on, on the entire Russian people. And they're just so blatant about it. And, and they have a venue for speaking uh, on all of these news programs. People are listening to them, obviously. Uh, the media is listening to them. And, um, at, you know, they're, they're just at the very forefront of, of, ramping all of this kind of hatred up criminal Russia. minds criminal minds yeah it, it's uh, yeah it's it just getting back to what i was saying they're all insane uh, and it literally is we it, that's not uh just a, a kind of throwaway comment that i think they are you know if they were all given a um a test a psychological test you know or went to see a psychotherapist they would probably get a diagnosis of uh of being detached from from reality you know um, but yet there they are in power. And I mean, I think that's, you should take that actually literally that these people are actually by, by standard definitions are, are clinically insane. Um, so I mean, it's, they're hysterical. And, and of course, it's not just, just the Russia thing that's going on in the U.S. There's a lot of other hysterical things going on in the U.S. and, and, and in Europe to some extent at, at the same time. And the impression, what it makes me want to do kind of thing is the impression I get is that someone needs to run in there and just slap a load of faces. You know, you used to slap people in the face if they were ever having a hysterical freak out, you know. You'd Keep it together, to, man. Yeah, you've got to shake them by the shoulders and slap them a few times around the face. That, that needs to be done multiple, multiple times. Uh, like, you know, run into Congress, you know, with big hands or something and slap them all multiple times and shake them all and, and then get on those uh, kind of on, on various... Uh, 
you know, uh, TV pundit kind of like shows, whatever chat shows and stuff where these people are talking about social justice stuff and, and, and slap all them as well, you know? I mean, America just needs a big load of, you know, at the level of all these people who are, who are defining or setting the narrative because they're in setting an insane and objectively, provably insane narrative. <laughs> and why should anybody believe them? Except well, looks, the authorities, you know. Looks like we've got a caller. We've got uh, Stephen on the line. Stephen, are you there? Stephen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. I would like to also mention another component of this uh, hysteria against Russia. Um, the uh, It's about Europe as well. Um, the United States basically um, controls NATO. And the um, I would say that the member states of NATO are um, are kind of neo colonies, even though that they wouldn't a lot of people wouldn't admit that there. Um, so they need to keep they need to keep Western Europe nations frightened of Russia and afraid to uh, reach out their hands in greater cooperation with Russia, because this is tied to the uh, U.S. weapons manufacturers and uh, U.S. control of Western mm. Europe. So that, that's a major component of this hysteria as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, Absolutely. it's kind of Absolutely. obvious. But, you know, you know that the thing that this situation's got me kind of uh, to where I just clam up. I don't I, I'm, I'm afraid to even mention anything positive about Russia to people or. Um, the people that I will say something positive to about Russia are people that are that I know are like uh, Trump supporters that are are thinkers as well. And but mm-hmm. liberals, but but anybody that are you know that gay gay people or liberals, you know I clam up about I clam up about Russia. I've also learned to uh, clam up about, um, and I know this sounds pathetic on my part, but I also clam up about Syria. Um, People know nothing about Syria. And I'm, I know uh-huh. that's a, a, a big generalization, but in general, true. people true. know nothing about Syria. And then when I turn, I can't even listen to democracy now anymore. I can't listen to anybody who's liberal and progressive that isn't on the right side as far as Syria is concerned. They have zero credibility of no interest in anything they have to say given our support of these jihadis for years and years and years and um so i'm 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 basically i used to consider myself a very strong person of the left progressive and read magazines and you know and all of that but even when when noam chomsky started demonizing assad and making it personal um, you know, the, I'm just, I'm, I'm basically homeless right now. And I think that, um, I think this is a masterful strategy. They use social media as well. I'm sure in ways that we can't even imagine, but this is a masterful strategy to get people who have historically been among those that want to raise consciousness, that want there to be a strong labor movement. These are the people that are that are kind of natural anti-imperialists, and um, mm-hmm. I've never seen anti-imperialism so weak among the left in in my entire lifetime. It's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, <clears throat> the the left has been totally subverted. So anything that uh, 
you know, anything that they, that well, let's say historically anything good they had going on has been just totally made nothing by the, the rise of this social justice warrior and totally buying into the, uh, you know, the agenda set by the neolibs like Hillary Clinton that, you know, what hope is there for them? I mean, probably none. It's, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Oh yeah. So one, one thing that, um, one person I think I mentioned, um, to y'all in the past that I would love to have you guys on, uh, for an interview is Joaquin Flores. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Um, I really respect this guy. He's got very, he thinks a lot, thinks deeply about things. He's developed his own unique uh, perspectives and he thinks deeply about where the left is in the United States. And um, he doesn't even like to use that term anymore. And I agree with him. Um, I don't, you know, like, like as far as Trump goes, in my opinion, um, I really don't have any negative, you know, thoughts directed toward Trump. Um, you know, Trump is a capitalist. He's definitely always been on the side of business and, but he, Trump is not evil. You know, Trump isn't, Trump, I think genuinely would like to engage in some reforms. Um, he is, he is kind of uh, cynical. I think he's a little bit short-sighted in always trying to, uh, collect his base, his hardcore base and, and not being a little bit more strategic and reaching out toward moderate just for a strategic point of view. But um, I, I I really was shocked in that there's a lot of people in the security state that hate Trump for losing Syria. That's a reality I'm watching play out right now. They really mm. believe that they really believe that Trump should have made a firm stand in Syria, you know, but Trump lost Syria in their book. And now we've got this Iran thing. Um, Saudi Arabia's cozied up with uh, Israel, and um, mm-hmm. you guys really did a good job on your last your last uh, your uh, comments your program where you commented about Saudi Arabia. That's it's fantastic watching Saudi Arabia being taken down a few notches. And um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm I'm over. Uh, by the way, I just returned from Cuba. I was in Cuba for a uh, for about eleven days, and. Um, Fantastic place, fantastic people. But, you know, as far as where I'm at here, I, I feel I, I feel isolated, you know, in, in the intellectual and journalistic sphere in the United States. There's you guys, there's Joaquin Flores, uh, there's RT, but there's so little area, there's so little, uh, opportunity to align with people in any meaningful way. And I think that this, the, the security state using social media, Buying, I suspect also that they put money into progressive media to keep to make sure yeah. that they're yeah. toting the proper line as far as Russia is concerned. But they've been masterful in um, creating a situation where there's very little movement or imagination about um, people coming together and challenging the system for the betterment of workers. I've just never seen it so weak as it is now in the United States. So it's weird. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys for letting me comment, and I'll I'll listen to the rest of y'all's show. You're doing a great job. Bye bye. All right. Thanks, Thanks Stephen. Bye bye. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's right that uh, Stephen's right that there's it's probably pretty dire for someone people like him in the U.S. where there's just no one to no one to talk to. You can't if you if you're looking for some sense if you see if you see the world the way it really is the way the way 
the way things are going and what's really happening. And then you want to express that to someone and you look around you and there's like no one basically, you know what I mean? And it's like you saying, it's, they're so weak, you know, uh, in terms of their ability to think or to actually, you know, to even to care about uh, the important things, you know. Uh, a real mind job has been done on, on so many people. Uh, their will has been suppressed to the point uh, of it being non-existent, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a mind job. Everybody's being I- stigmatized for not towing the politically correct social justice warrior uh, party line that they've been programmed to believe for these past uh, five years. If if mm-hmm. you you know if you're pro gay rights, then you must be pro Clinton, and if you're pro Clinton, then you must be you know anti Putin and anti Russia, and mm-hmm. and all of these uh, all of these positions have been conflated in people's minds. This is what yeah. you're supposed to think, and if you're not thinking this way, then you're an enemy of uh, of of progressiveness and tolerance, and uh, and you're a Putin troll. Isn't it amazing also how, the, how that coincided? I mean, you mentioned the, them getting on Russia by banning, trying to ban them from international sporting events, uh, uh, and also, you know, you know, outing or uh, exposing their athletes for, for, for doping, including ones that haven't been doping, when everybody in the world dopes, you know. Uh, so really, really been attacking them on, on all these different spheres in this information war, and it seems that's all they've got against Russia is an inf- information war. Um, but they also brought up over the past couple of years, it was more, you know, it was a year or two ago, about a year ago maybe, that the whole gay rights in Russia thing came up. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a reflection of or a mirror to the, the promotion of it, uh, of, of gay rights and LGBT rights and, um, you know, social justice, basically, in, in the U.S. and in, in Europe, you know, uh, it's pretty amazing that, that that just coincided, you know? Yeah, it, literally. It. Uh, I remember when it sprung up uh, right around the, the Kiev coup, mm. maybe a little bit before because they'd had the Sochi Winter Olympics mm-hmm. and it was kick-started there. But the whole episode, that whole Kiev uh, Maidan and then the coup and then Crimea's independence and accession to Russia mm. was framed in the stick they were using to beat Russia with was it was gay rights, which was even a you know a misnomer because the specific thing they cited as evidence was nothing to do with mm-hmm. homosexual rights in the Russian Federation. It mm-hmm. was to do with propagandizing to minors. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that was all completely lost. But you know, I remember thinking, are they serious? They, you know, it's clear you've got a big issue with what's going on, but I mean, you're going to come back with them with, no, no offense to gays, but that's a really pansy backhander to one of the most momentous events in modern history. That's all you got? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, on, uh, I just want to make a quick point on Stephen's thing about climbing up. Um, you know, I understand why he says, I understand how he's feeling and what the reality must be like. I can only imagine in, in certain parts of the U.S. anyway, but this is not a time for climbing up. If you know, if you see, yes, be strategic with people around you in direct interaction with them. But if there's still plenty, there's more than just a handful of websites now. There's plenty of places where you can virtually scream at the top of your lungs and do it strategically there too. You don't have to say, hi, I'm Stephen from, here's my address. You know, you can have false mm. names and avatars and stuff. Um, oh, yeah, whatever. The CIA knows who you are, but who gives a 
rats at this point. You, it's if you know if you say something, say something. Mm-hmm. You've got it. <laughs> you, you, that's it's the only way for your own sanity. I'm not I'm not admonishing Stephen for not getting in and helping out here. I'm saying for your own sanity. Mm-hmm. While sure. at the same time being strategic in your actual life and relationships with people. Yeah. Just something I wanted to add that I forgot to mention about the whole uh, uh, Russia collusion, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i.e. talking to Russians uh, about stuff, you know, like, you know, how's your wife and kids, that kind of thing. That's collusion, uh, criminal collusion, I would say. Uh, the the dodgy dossier that was the, the, the second one, the first dodgy dossier was the dossier that the MI5, MI5 and the um, British intelligence basically put together uh, about Iraq's weapons of mass destruction. That was in 2003. And the second dodgy dossier uh, with that name was uh, this one, obviously, with Trump um, that came out. was just early this year. But it had been going around for many months beforehand. I think it was back to the summer of 2016 uh, that it was originally put together. And we've talked about that in, the, in previous shows as well, where this um, this group, uh, Fusion GPS, which is a muckraking, dirt digging uh, group uh, that'll basically dig dirt on anybody for money had uh, contacted um, uh, by intermediaries, intermediaries or whatever, but they had uh, gotten in contact with this guy, this former, supposedly former MI5 agent in the UK called, uh, or MI6 agent in the UK called uh, Christopher Steele. Uh, so this was back, this was being put together back in, if you think about the timeline, it was probably being put together back in even the early summer of 2016, before, you know, uh, even before Trump was seen as any kind of a serious, serious contender, they were putting together uh, this information. And now this guy, <coughs> this guy Steele who put this together, I mean, this wasn't just the Clinton campaign, uh, or even at the time Republicans as well looking for, or, you know, uh, opposition candidates in the Republican Party, oppositions, uh, you know, other candidates, along with Trump in the Republican campaign, they originally got the ball rolling and then the Clinton, the Democrats took it over and trying to find dirt on Trump and they used these people to contact this guy in, in the UK. <clears throat> so, um, that, that I don't think that's like kind of low-level normal dirt digging. When you contact that guy, James uh, Christopher Steele, uh, and he's the one putting together the dossier, that means it's very high level. Um, because that guy, uh, he, he he led the investigation into the Litvinenko affair, uh, if you remember back in 2006. Uh, so, and that was very kind of high profile or high level, <clears throat> kind, of, um, sp- kind of spy craft, let's say, in in. in Bringing that whole Litvinenko case to its ridiculous ending, where the Russian, where Putin was blamed for killing Litvinenko against all of the evidence, when it was, uh, when when it was more or less a setup job, whether whether it was intended like that from the beginning, it ended up being that way that they basically burned Litvinenko to 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 try and blame blame uh, Litvinenko as have been working for for British intelligence um, as a Russian exile, <coughs> and um, they decided for one reason or another, to basically uh, let him be the fall guy uh, and blame it on Putin, blame uh, to smear Putin. It was this beginning of an information war against Russia in 2006. 
so this guy led this investigation in and He was part of that whole operation, <clears throat> which I said <clears throat> is fairly, fairly high level in 2006. And now then he pops up in uh, 2000, well, 10 years later, <clears throat> or, or, or 10 years later in 2016, uh, putting together this dossier against Trump uh, very early on in the, in the campaign. Um, so that says to me that this was planned way back before anybody supposedly thought that Trump could ever be president. Um, and it also coincides with around the time that this uh, Papadopoulos guy, uh, Trump, uh, uh, Trump's kind of like on, on Trump's campaign, was met by some mysterious English professor who had high-level contacts in the Kremlin. And that's, that kind of operation is straight out of the, it's a straight out of the kind of Litvinenko playbook and it's straight out of British intelligence playbook in terms of their Cold War uh, spycraft against the Russians, you know? Um, so my question is, how far back does this go? Mm. You know, there's a whole Russian collusion dossier, uh, or Russia collusion allegation. How, how far does it back does it go in terms of, uh, you know, in, into last year, way back early in the campaign? And what did people know? And why was it was it being set up way back then? Um, as a maybe as a as a, as a kind of uh, in the eventuality of maybe or something along those lines, but it definitely was happening at a at a fairly high level. And of course, it's, it wouldn't be surprising because. Uh, early last year, I mean, in you know, April, May, June last year, uh, Russia was already public enemy number one. So if there was any potential, as far as U.S. intelligence and British intelligence were concerned, any potential that Trump or any candidate could uh, end up uh, going the wrong way on, 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 on the relations with Russia, i.e. improving relations with Russia, then they would have had to be... You know, maybe there's a bunch of dossiers out there, mm-hmm. dodgy dossiers, linking all of the potential, all the Republican candidates and any suspect Democrat candidates who might have somehow become president, won the nomination and become president. They had something on the yeah. back burner, basically, Whoa. that they could pull out and say, collusion, you know, obviously not Hillary Hillary collusion with uh, Putin but um, or, or with Russia, but uh, certainly any of the other ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump was the only one they did this for, because probably they all do. the other candidates, you could take it to the bank that they'd be, you know, totally on board with official policy, mm. right? So, right, yeah. So Although we never know, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's possible for sure. Anyone that they, you know, with any kind of hint of a, you yeah. know. Any who, kind of who thought that when they became president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who thought that when, when they got into the White House that they were going to be president type thing. Anybody who's stupid mm-hmm. enough, and there may be a few of them, you know, you, don't, you can't be sure that yeah. every every person put themselves forward for the Republican nomination or the, or the Democrat nomination was uh, was fully aware of the way things work around here, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, the kind of deep state would have had to have, for those that were suspect, you would have had to have some uh, leverage on, you know. And for all of them, if you're going to use leverage, it was going to be, you've been colluding with Russia. We know we paid some some uh, dodgy spy in the UK to produce a fabricated dossier on you. Um, well, you, you were know. saying you were saying a while ago on the show, Joe, about um, you know a kind of end game or what's the purpose of all this. And one idea that I I don't think we've brought up yet is just that one of the effects of this investigation, like the whole Mueller thing and um, and just the, the climate of of Russophobia, the whole anti-Russian sentiment and uh, it and just how it dominates the news cycle so you can't escape it, is that it, it, it stultifies any future 
um, developments. And it kind of, so it puts people in the frame of mind, not only those that, you know, who exist right now, who have been having maybe positive relations or positive ideas with certain Russians, you know, behind the scenes, um, you know, in some official or semi-official capacity. But it also means that in the future, the, the whole ground is kind of tainted. So if Trump, for example, were, you know, let's say that the, the Russiagate thing gets totally like cleared up, they go as far as they can go. And just like theoretically, Trump has some breathing room now. So imagine he tries to to get close with Putin again and put something together. It's like, well, what what is everyone going to say? It's like, oh, well, you know, he may not have colluded before the election, but it was obviously his plan the whole time. And now they're colluding mm-hmm. now. And it's like you can't you can't get a break. It's like the, the right. whole the whole sphere of, you know, opinion and, and, you know, value has been totally tainted to the point where, mm-hmm. you know, what can be done in the future? It's like yeah. without being looking without looking like a Russian colluder. And, you know, there's another right. dimension to that, Harrison, and that is that uh, if if Russia does anything in its defense that seems a little too strong or is or is perceived or created to be too strong, quote unquote, uh, the, the, the very idea that Russia is a bad actor that it's aggressive, that it's an aggressive country, uh, automatically gets kind of uh, confirmed, uh, so to say, in the minds of people. Um, mm. You know, for, for the two years prior to 9-11, we were hearing about bin Laden, bin Laden. So when, it, when 9-11 actually occurred, boom, you didn't even have to listen to the news. It was automatically there. It must be bin Laden. And of course, that's what was presented to the public as, as the, you know, the, the boogeyman. On the same day, uh, if if not the same day, then soon yeah, after. It's the same day, but no, yeah. it was on the same day. I was on it was like right away, right? Yeah. So uh, th- this is you know, we, if 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 all of this that you know, somebody recently wrote an article and said that eighty uh, percent of this war against Russia uh, is information war. Uh, it <laughs> laying the groundwork for preparing people. To uh, to see some kind of greater conflict in the future, um, yeah. or at least, or at least making that transition <clears throat> into believing that Russia is the bad guy far mm-hmm. more easy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and another angle might be if they if they plan on allowing Trump to uh, to finish out his term, uh, I can't see how they're going to get any kind of articles of impeachment going based on them. Um, on the current investigation, because they keep turning up nothing and spinning into something, um, they may just be angling to make sure that he is unelectable again to ensure that he doesn't get a second term. Basically, you know, um, that might be the the short term plan. You know, to to keep this going for so long that well, who's he, his 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 whole presidency would just have been uh, mired in this. Russia collusion business, um, and therefore there'd be no chance of, and no possibility of him being reelected. You know, um, I'm scared. For now, for now, they're trying to work. I, it, I think, I think, I think the reason for such co- the really contradictory statements and actions we've seen so far in the Trump presidency, as far as foreign wars. Uh, trade deals, all foreign policy is concerned, is because they're trying to work within this incredibly crazy-making framework, you know, where they have to go along with the ideology, the party line, 
and try to sort of adjust facts on the ground in between it. Rex Tillerson was recently speaking at um, an event at the Woodrow Wilson Center in D.C. Um, now, the media ran with the juiciest soundbite it liked, which is that Tillerson said, accused Russia of using its nuclear arsenal to, quote, impose its will on others by force, which <gasps> on the face of it is, you know, hello, pot calling. Who does that? that? Who does that? How dare they? Um, and so you go, oh, Jesus, that's just typical anti-Russian guff. But further on, and they included in this report, I have, um, they say, despite alleging a Russian agenda of global, global dominance, Tillerson also said that the US and Russia are working together to defeat Islamic terrorism. So from what he said, he sounded, oh, Jesus, yeah, those people, they're untouchables. We'd never go near them. But here's a quote from Tillerson in the same speech. With respect to Russia, there are areas of mutual cooperation. We're working hard in Syria to defeat ISIS, and we're on the cusp of having ISIS once and for all defeated there. Now, separate from the reality on the ground, because we're seeing evidence that cooperation is extremely limited, to say the least, in Syria, he's at least getting in the message that totally contradicts the one yeah. he's supposed to say. That's schizophrenic. <laughs> you look back and look what? back to Congress and they're all freaking out at him saying that. They're like, right. no, we hate Russia. And it's like, I don't know. It's bizarre. I, 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 well, I don't think it speaks to his schizophrenia in this case. No, I think it speaks to yes, of well, the, the audience whole, he's talking to. Well, the whole thing is schizophrenic. We yeah. have one person saying one thing and uh, supposedly representing the government and the others all screaming their pants off uh, about how horrible Russia are. I mean, the people in Congress, the people who are talking this way in the media and stuff, they're obviously, you talked earlier on about there's something more behind it, what, they, what they're afraid of, what Russia, Russia didn't do anything to them really, other than just assert itself and its own legitimate rights. These people have some kind of an idea of Russia, they feel it in some way or other that, uh, that they're scared, they're terrified of Russians, and maybe they're terrified of Russian, Russian the Russian ability, basically, general, you know, a general psychological profile of the, of the average Russian or the average Russian politician or, or you know, military personnel that, that that they're very smart, uh, that they'll probably beat you. They're good chess players, and they'll probably beat you. And uh, and they also have a a kind of uh, an inner strength or an ability to 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 deal with situations and not flinch. They're not manipulatable. You know, they're, they're America's worst nightmare, basically, where they just stand up and say in in a strong Russian accent, "Yet." You know, and and they just like people just like John McCain literally wets his pants at the, at that image of this big, you know, Russian man standing there just saying yet to him. You know, it's like no, America, and and <laughs> bizarre. You know, uh, I have no other explanation for it. They have some conception of the Russian, like he said, like they're pathological liars. And all, but that's just that's just throwing mud. You know, I mean, obviously, when you would say to Clapper, there, okay, what's his first name? Doofus Clapper, James. James. Uh, um, it say to him, James. You know, now let's let's look behind this. Look, look. Let's look beyond this a little bit. You're afraid of Russia, aren't you? I mean, forget about the slurs and stuff like that. You're actually afraid of them. Why is it that you're afraid of them? You know. Um, Tillerson went on to say in that speech, there may be opportunities for cooperation also in Afghanistan. We've not yet come to what that might be, but we're talking about it. Mm. Now, you've got that going on, him saying that at the same time as we've had plenty of media hysteria, not so much yet, but it's coming, I think, uh, about 
the the claim in Western mainstream media that Russia is behind the Taliban <laughs> or behind ISIS is sending weapons to Afghanistan to bog down the Americans. Behind ISIS, this the with the obvious, it, they're obviously in this case laying the groundwork for preventing this very scenario: cooperation on the ground between Russia and the U.S. in Afghanistan. Mm. So Tillerson, again, he's he's sort of speaking out of both corners of his mouth mm-hmm. in one respect, or, and or he's carefully yeah. inserting that's, in, this is what we want to do, or right. how we are doing. Well, if he has any while, good intentions, that's all he can do, basically, is to try and you know speak in, in the areas that he can speak of cooperation and, and, and take down the official narrative in that way, to some extent, chip away at it, you know. Just had an image there of, I don't know what you guys think, but imagine in three years or so, uh, <laughs> What if there's another election and Trump wins? What's going to happen? Well, like, there'll be lots of heads exploding in America, right? As of the image I had, heads exploding, yeah. I mean, it'll just, America would just self-combust, you know, in, in, in under the, the intensity of the screams of, of so many people. I mean, I think people would probably commit suicide. It'll be mass suicide or, or something like that. I mean, people who work in the glass it, industry will have, it'll be great yeah. in business. Can you imagine all the windows that'll smash. I know. It's, it, but if this keeps going, you know, I mean, because there's people, there's quite a lot of people in the US and they're being encouraged to think this way that just, just waited out three more years and then the nightmare will be over. <laughs> and they're so ridiculously identified with it. Like, go and, go, you know, go and do something useful, you know, stop commenting on this, you know. Um, but those people would just, I don't know. Yeah. It would be hilarious in a certain sense. But Guys, what did you make of this report we have as a best of web at the moment? By a Scott Bennett for the Duran. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I was just looking. I, I had at a that. quick read. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it, it's just uh, it's just very interesting. Um, I'm, this is the one Neil with uh, that mentions the the law the firm. law firm that is representing, representing Flynn. Flynn. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, uh, it's my first thought about that. Well, just a little background. Um, the the law firm that's defending Flynn is called Covington and Burling. And um, these guys have a client list of uh, the Clintons and Eric Holder, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, Bank of Switzerland, uh, various people at the Treasury Department, the CIA. So basically just looking at their resume, this is the deep state law firm that, that knows that is probably extremely powerful has a long entrenched history in in defending uh, basically deep state actors, politicians, and whatnot um, from uh, prosecution, from basically doing their you know their arch criminal thing. So I'm reading about this law firm that encouraged Flynn to take this plea, and you know it, it's really awful. First of all, that he had to go to them or felt that his best, you know, option was to go to them. Um, but it just, it just reminds one of the fact that uh, the, the deep state apparatus extends to the legal system uh, deeply. And, um, and it just kind of, it just kind of subsumes the narrative. It just covers the narrative from all angles. Uh, so that, that's like one of the first things that occurred to me that, that it, it, has these far-reaching, uh, uh, this far-reaching ability to help sustain the narrative. 
And um, it's just a kind of bad coincidence or kismet or, uh, you know, result that Flynn had to consult these people who have not helped him. But the, what the Duran, the Duran's making a particular point about it, don't they? Yeah, they, they come to a conclusion um, mm-hmm. that's like, okay, that's some serious claim. Um, Scott Bennett's claim is that this opens up another possibility. The, the fact that Covington and Burlington is representing, uh, Burling is representing Flynn in this case. Uh, he has a roundabout way of getting there, but he, his conclusion is that the Justice Department is using the Flynn Manafort indictments as a smokescreen to indict, arrest, and prosecute Colorton. a whole host of people, Democrat people, the Podestas, Aberdeen, Clinton Foundation agents. This isn't the first iteration of this <clears throat> conspiracy yeah. theory slash idea that people are floating, that where all this is leading, that Mueller is actually secretly using this as a shield to really go after real deep state, deep state people and drain the swamp. That's basically what he's getting at here, isn't it? Yeah. It sounds too good to be true. Did you look into who Scott Bennett is? He claims to be a high-level U.S. military psyops whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone know if that's legit? or? <clears throat> um, no, I think I heard of him before. <clears throat> yeah, Harshan. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't looked too deeply. I checked out his website just briefly, um, and he's got you know several books that he's that he's self-published through Lulu. Um, one of which is this report that he kind of the, that uh, he alludes to in this article about um, he was basically he interviewed or debriefed this guy that worked at the Swiss bank, um, and this guy was basically blowing the whistle on, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, transactions and money laundering going towards, um, you know, supporting the jihadis in the Middle East, like in Syria, and that he found this stuff out, um, and this would be money coming from, you know, like U.S. sources, basically, and he found this out and leaked some of this information, told Scott Bennett about it, um, and then got arrested, I guess. And so he's got this book, which is apparently a, a collection of documents. I haven't looked into it. I haven't, you know, gotten the book or read it. So it's hard to, you know, validate any of the claims um, at this point. But um, so, well, anything more on this on Scott Bennett? No, no. no but uh, maybe people, if you're interested, you can check out. Um, he's got a website. This Bennett guy to his his books, and um, it's linked to in the best of web. Maybe maybe one of us can drop it into the chat room mm-hmm. well but um as for the the idea that you know Mueller may be going after these other targets um you know it's of course at this point it's hard to say for sure but there there have been some actual um you know hints in that direction just the fact that it has been made public that you know the podestas are under investigation and um um who else well all of these people are under, you know, are still under investigation to some degree or another. That's kind of acknowledged. Like uh, they're still looking into the the like Huma Abedin uh, emails and the the laptop from from Weiner um, and the Podestas, and so you know at least it's it's plausible that that at the very least, um, you know, this stuff is still being investigated. Whether it will actually lead somewhere, that's another question. Um, but you know, that's all Uh-oh. I really have to say about that. What's that? I've, 
Oh, that's not a good start. So I opened up his website. Oh, yeah. He's got a, a banner ad on the top advertising that he's uh, been interviewed by Kerry Cassidy. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, that those allegations, those uh, the, those ideas that, you know, this is just a ruse and Mueller's actually uh, going to indict Hillary Clinton and take down the deep state or take down whatever, drain the swamp, is just, it's it strikes me as kind of wishful thinking or mm-hmm. people feeling a bit, a bit desperate, uh, particularly when this comes from Duran, which is, you know, Peter Lavelle of RT's uh, uh, website, to some extent. Um, it strikes me that these people are just getting, you know, understandably frustrated uh, with the whole uh, information war and demonization of Russia, and they're grasping at kind of straws that, you know, this might all be, that America might actually... Uh, turn a corner here and see the light, and that someone's working in the background to 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 see sense and to have uh, common sense prevail and stuff. And I'm think I just think that's, that's it's got a uh, Nazara flavor to it. Yeah, Do you remember a, that? It's wishing too too much, huh? Nazara, Nazara. Was that? Oh, it was a major internet campaign like 15 years ago. It started. Yeah. Uh, that that was the initials for an acronym, and I can't remember what it stood for, but it was. Um, kind of viral in conspiracy theory slash alternative media circles that there was this mega lawsuit slash group going by the acronym Nazara that was on the verge of, the updates were always, were on the verge of it, rounding up all the evil bankers and all the evil politicians and all the evil ones. And it's just going to take a little more time, but it's it's, it's coming. It's There's going to be a purge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it just went on and on and on and on. It just, it, there's nothing. It's, it's it doesn't exist. <laughs> but the, the the desire for it to happen is, of course, real, and it's quasi manifested in people electing Trump into office. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as we see, it's, it's ability to actually to make it real is is a different story. But um, yeah. Well, the the only way I see this kind of potentiality. Um, actually taking place because Mueller is the deep state. This law firm is the deep state uh, is if there is some kind of larger uh, plan a la, you know, Knight of the the Long Knives to, you know, somehow uh, try and, and this is really far-fetched, admittedly, but, you know, fool people into thinking that, um, and or scare people into thinking that there is this even uh, stronger, uh, element inside the government that 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 is taking control uh by you know arresting and indicting and charging people like hillary clinton and and um and all of these other uh folks uh and i i don't know it it just seems a little far-fetched to me yeah we're getting some music there music breaking through that's me um you're playing music I'm emitting music. <laughs> you are good job, Alan. Yeah, turning into a light, a light being. Uh, so, <laughs> any other news? <clears throat> any other news for uh, before we just a? Uh, well, Trump's uh, arguably had his first major success um, since becoming president with this new tax bill. Doesn't change much. He's he's touting it as a success. As they, as, as, he, <laughs> as I'm sure he would, you know, as they all do. You know, it's tweaking anything? it here and there. It's 
Go ahead. I, I was just going to ask if there's anything else we wanted to mention about the uh, this kind of Israel gate potential, uh, mm. which is. I don't think there's much in that. I mean, I think people are no. jumping at that. It, it, there's nothing to see there. It's it, that's only mentioned. It's only been brought to light in the context of of. Uh, of this ridiculous Russia collusion business, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. the only the only thing to note is that, uh, you know, there was an upcoming UN resolution condemning illegal Israeli settlements in Palestine. And uh, Flynn went and uh, asked the Russians to, you know, could you kind of, could you back, could you kind of reject that one? Or you could, I mean, could you <coughs> vote against that one? Because uh, we want to change our policy from Obama's policy. We want to be a bit more favorable to Israel. And uh, the Russians said no. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna we're gonna vote for it, uh, and that's it. So, w- w- what is there? I mean, what's there? It, it's it's not a part of the big nothing burger, basically. You know what I mean? What that there'd be talk about whether or not to vote on a U.S. Re- UN resolution. The U.S. That, what, the news here is that the, the U.S. government, any U.S. government, would contact other UN members and try and ask them to vote for or against a resolution in the UN that relates to Israel. That's news. How many? Yeah. There's a long list on the on, on the on the web of all the UN resolutions about Israel that the US has voted for, i.e., supporting, or, or UN resolutions that condemned Israel, and U, the US was the only one who, uh, who that that um, that voted against. You know, that's it's par for the course. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess so the only other thing to mention about that. I, I could just mention this quickly is that Obama uh, introduced that um, that resolution, or it was said that he right. he got Egypt to do it, uh, kind of as by proxy, uh, in order to put Trump in a difficult position. Just shortly before Trump took office, right? Uh, and Vitaly Cherkin, the Russian uh, ambassador uh, to the UN, uh, was basically why you know why even introduce this right now, even though. Mm-hmm. Russia's position on it was pretty clear. So it was a, a pretty cynical move on the part of Obama uh, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, not because he cares about settlements in Israel and, and Palestinians uh, necessarily, but just to, just to do this last ditch effort uh, maneuver to get Trump. Last in, dig, in, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and of course it, it sent uh Kushner and Netanyahu scrambling to try and influence Russia. Who, by the way, mm-hmm. Netanyahu has a, a, a good relationship with, you know, at least on the surface with Russia. Uh, there are a lot of business deals and, and, and diplomatic conversations happening, even if you know, Netanyahu is a backstabbing, double-dealing uh, uh, pathological type. He, you know, he could have just directly said, hey, you know, <laughs> don't do this, but there's no chance that uh, Russia would have responded in the way that he w- yeah. would have liked, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about the the black slave trade? Mm. Oh, yeah. It's back. It's back, people. Except it, it isn't. I found, the, I found the source, the origin of this. This started... In Libya. CNN. CNN started. It's fake news. Fake news... It's got to be fake news. The, they they cited their, their their contacts in Libya, who then confirmed it after CNN reported it. I'm guessing 
now I could be checking this out, but I'm just going to guess that it was the Tripoli backed, the Tripoli government, which is backed by the US and Europe and so on. And then lo and behold, um, the sun, sun king himself, Jupiter descended from his throne in the sky this week, Emmanuel Macron to declare that mm-hmm. he is, he and other EU leaders are pondering cracking down on slave trade slash people smugglers in Libya. Mm. <clears throat> um, they, he, he's, he, fl- he touted this. There's a big EU AFRICOM joint conference going on in Ghana at the moment. And Macron's down there. I'm not sure who else went from the EU, but anyway, he's there <clears throat> uh, selling this to African countries. He says, "Oh, well, this this is, it won't be a war, but we're, uh, we're we're gearing up for military intervention in Libya, of course, to stop the hemorrhaging in in, in part of the narrative. It's, it's to stop the hemorrhaging of people from Africa to mm. Europe." But he also mentioned it because in Libya, which of course basically three governments, uh, it's still crazy there. And so now to clear up the mess, they're seriously, um, it appears with Macron saying it, that they're seriously considering some kind of military invention in Africa again. After wrecking it the first time. So we wrecked the place, caused the problems that caused us to go back in. Yeah, and then, and then they proposed to do it by going to Africa. I mean, it's definitely the kind of colonial mindset yeah. is that. We're talking about colonial mindset. He was in Burkina Faso in Ouagadougou, the uh, capital of Burkina Faso, which used to be a French colony. And he's talking to uh, kids, uh, school center, university students. And the president, uh, the president, I think, of, of Burkina Faso is on the stage of Sediment. Macron's up there complaining at the at the, the students, saying, a lot of you were asking me earlier on about problems with the university, about electricity, etc. He said, you treat me like I'm the president of Burkina Faso. I'm not the president of Burkina Faso. I don't want to be worrying myself about the, whether or not there's electricity in the universities in, in, in Ouagadougou. That's what the president here beside me is for. It's his job. And... Uh, uh, and, he, and he mentioned, like, we we got to get rid of this uh, colonial mi- mindset, you know. I mean, we're not, you're not a French colony anymore. And he said, this, uh, these problems are the, are the present of, of, of Burkina Faso's uh, problem to deal with. And he's, the guy's on the stage. And, and the guy took that as an insult and got up and left. Macron looked around and said, oh, what, he's leaving? No, and he says, come back, stay, stay here. And then he said, oh, he must be off. To, he's gone off to fix the air conditioning. And so after, so after... Saying that we have to get rid of this colonial mindset, then he insults and treats the president of Burkina Faso like a satrap, you know, like basically some kind of like peon of, of, of empire, basically, who's... The guy is... The impression I get of Macron after the, these six or seven months that he's been hanging around, <clears throat> or not, <clears throat> uh, loftily uh, hanging around and, and supposedly governing France, is that the guy's just... He's, uh, he's just a jumped-up little twerp who uh, thinks far too much of himself and is totally detached from reality. And, you know, he, he needs a slap as well. <laughs> but he, he needs a harder one. Uh, yeah, and a car attack in New York City today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Hukabar. Akbar. Allah Akbar. ISIS. Caliphate. Soldiers Gotta Caliphate. be. Religion of pieces. Many people. One person kills them. I don't know. I heard one at the breaking news, but um, it kind of went away because it wasn't big enough. Yeah, it happened at four in the morning, so obviously, you know. And the guy fled, didn't catch him. 
There's a manhunt. <clears throat> yeah, I only said we put that down to people popping off. Yeah, I only read a, a brief thing on it, and it, I, the last thing that I read on it said that um, you know they they weren't they didn't think it was terror related. It's it looks like there was like a fight outside the hookah bar or something, and then this someone drove into the crowd. I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Europe's uh, in crisis, but we already knew that. But um, there still isn't a new ge- government in Germany yeah. after the elections. Um, Alternative for Deutschland. Yeah. The far right AFD. They they won a side. They won twelve point five percent of the vote. That's that's a, that's yeah. a fair chunk. Yeah. Um, the, the, the the problem with that is that there's Merkel and her party basically seeded a bunch of uh, as has happened in many other European countries and has happened in America. Uh, the the established parties, establishment parties, left, right, whatever, coalition in, in, in Germany, Merkel and another leftist party, they ceded a bunch of votes in the last election a couple of months ago to the to the right, far right, same as Trump in America, same as UKIP in the UK, uh, almost happened in France with Le Pen. So you have the rise of the right, basically. Um, and they're trying to form a coalition, so she has to, because she lost those 13% of the votes to the far right, the alternative for Deutschland, um, she has to kind of like now call together a new coalition and she's having trouble because it's two or three or four parties basically she has to put together to form this weird coalition and they're all arguing with each other and they can't uh, come to a, an agreement and they have to come to an agreement though because if um, they have to put themselves together as a single party because um, uh, otherwise uh, no, no, actually if, if they they don't uh, form a coalition, or if they do form a coalition, no, they're trying to form a coalition. No, 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 it's true. They're, they're trying to form a coalition, and they because she wants to rule, because she wants they want to keep the lefties in power. Yeah. But if they do that, the result is that the AFD will be the the opposition party. Yes, then. and they can't. The they don't want that scenario. Th- that's one of the reasons why they uh, don't want to agree, but they have to agree to yes. be in power. So they're they're hoisted on their own petard in certain totally. sense. And of course, the alternative for Deutschland, which is like the far right party in Germany, is uh, has gained this much support because largely of of immigration, um, which of course Merkel over the past two years uh, has been allowing all sorts of immigrants in uh, <laughs> into Germany, million or more, uh, millions maybe over the past few years into Germany, and this has given legs to the far right and Germans who don't want uh, a lot of immigrants in their country, and uh, to the point now that. <laughs> After this has all happened, right, they've created this this SH1T storm in Germany. Um, now they're actually paying, the German government is trying to pay refugees to leave. <laughs> they're not paying them to stay, they're paying them to leave. Please, just go, how much do you need? How much, how much will you take just to leave again? I mean, talk about fecklessness, you know. I did the sums. They're prepared to spend a quarter of a billion euros. Right, I'm getting get, rid of them just, all. Just get lost. After letting them all in. Uh, Horses halted people too late. And of course... Uh, the cause of the refugees in the first place, um, I mean, they let them in for some ridiculous idea of cheap labor because, you know, German demographics and stuff, you know, there's not enough reproduction going on because they're all turned transgender or something. So they're not having any more babies. So, uh, well, there's other reasons for it. It's not that reason. But um, they, they they figured they'd bring them in for cheap labor and they went, oh, that's giving rise to the far right. That's bad. Let's pay them to go home again. Oh, but the far right's here now. Uh, and of course, the reason that the refugees were available to come to France, uh, Germany in the first place and France and other countries uh, is because of German and French and other European 
uh, connivance with the US in their wars on, to blow up the Middle East, basically, and create the refugees in the first place. Iraq, obviously, started with Iraq and Afghanistan, and then uh, Libya and Syria over the past six years. So, I mean, just, you know, a complete and utter factlessness. Totally. I mean, there's uh, just, just insane people at the helm who just do the wrong thing over and over again and mess things up, mess society up up wreck society and then try and fix it at what point do you go listen you're the one who messed it up you know what you're not going to be allowed to fix it you know why because you'll make it worse mm-hmm. so get the big fish out and start slapping I mean these people all need to be uh, beaten with sticks if they won't or, go if they won't go away willingly because they have clearly messed stuff up in a very very bad way Um I kind of said that minus the slapping reference uh, on press TV yesterday. I think <laughs> uh, they they asked. Uh, I had a little interview with press TV, and they uh, they asked me about that German business, and I was just you know I think they may have wanted me to say stuff about you know the details and the different parties and all that kind of stuff, and I was like, you know what? Here's let's just cut to the chase. Here's what caused this, and the solution is. You know, slap them all. <laughs> <laughs> At which point the interviewers went, all right, thank thanks. you, Joe Quinn See from <laughs> Moving, on. Moving on to <laughs> the, the weather. <laughs> I'm like, I'm serious about the slapping. <laughs> um, I want to quickly say a quick thing. Uh, Germany's in crisis. Ireland's in crisis as well. Um, uh, geez, this could be a whole other big story to, to spell it all out. But I just want to point out the remarkable similarity of the political situation, even though the issues are quite different. Um, basically, there's a situation where the two big parties, and they have historically been the two big parties, find themselves having to cooperate in order to keep the dreaded other, in this case Sinn Féin, the Nationalist Party, from, from, from even just becoming the opposition Right. Never mind getting into power. Just no. they cannot be seen to be the opposition. It's it's just, that's why I say it's a similar dynamic to the AFD in Germany. It's like oh God, we don't want to be in co- in government together. Uh, in this case, Merkel and Schulz. But we also realize we have to work together. Otherwise, the official opposition is going to oh Jesus. So they're they're bound, and in the course of being bound, the popularity of each of the two, big two is drained and drained and drained. It's got to the point, this already happened in Ireland last year when they had their 20 elections in 2016. That unofficial coalition where basically the other big party officially in opposition actually agreed to under the table be in government yeah. <laughs> with the other big party that officially is the only one in government. Anyway, that it's only lasted one year. It's... They they found a temporary solution to the current crisis in Ireland, but it's basically collapsing, and they're both losing votes support in polls as a result. So it's uh, it's very interesting to me that it's happening in, in two, both in the sort of in the heart of Europe and on the periphery. Mm-hmm. And we can probably expect to see that kind of thing. Yeah, well, and the, the this obviously involves the Brits as well, and. Uh, uh, Theresa May and her government, and because uh, it's a bit complicated, but basically Theresa May did a deal to to have a, in the last election where she mis miscalculated seriously calling that election, and uh, Labour got won, won a lot of seats and Conservatives lost a lot of seats, lost a lot of seats, and uh, to form a new government she had to do a deal with the Democratic Unionist Party, which is a misnomer. This is a bunch of nut job uh, 
loyalist, <clears throat> you know, the orange men in, in Northern Ireland, basically the right wing uh, kind of radical pro British, pro British. We love the Queen, and uh, Northern Ireland is British, and uh, that kind of thing. That whole conflict thing going on, which well, had to do a deal with uh, that party in Northern Ireland to form a government, and they now obviously <clears throat> have a vested interest because they want to, they want obviously don't want any dilution of of Northern Ireland status as part of the of the of the UK. But the uh, the Brexit is throwing a whole, uh, causing a big problem there because if if, uh, if Brexit happens and uh, the United Kingdom leaves the European Union uh, and they're basically out, right? They're a foreign territory, not part of the EU anymore. Then that means Northern Ireland, as part of the UK, would also be out of the United Kingdom, and then you'd have to have a, a, a kind of a border, and the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Uh, has basically been non-existent for the past 10 or 20 years. <clears throat> so the spectre now is that because of Brexit, there would be a new hard border uh, institute, like a taxes or a customs border, basically, so a hard manned border uh, uh, along the border of, of the north and the south of Ireland. Um, so this is, this is a, a major problem because... Um, uh, you know, it, it would threaten to, you know, it would revive, potentially revive the conflict in Northern Ireland as well because, you know, a lot has been done to, to push peace forward by, you know, normalizing the situation on the island basically and not having any border, having a free flow of, of people back and forth as they normally would. Um, so in order to maintain her legitimacy, the, the Conservatives' legitimacy and in government, they have to uh, keep this DUP element um, uh, online, uh, keep them happy, and what they want is more or less a hard border, uh, in, in the north. Um, but um, the EU is saying, um, that that's that can't happen because you would effectively be dividing uh, or causing problems for people in the Republic of Ireland by creating uh, impediment to you know the free flow of goods and people, etc in a European nation, effectively, that you've just created a new border, basically, by leaving. So you're, you're kind of, by leaving in Brexit, you'll be taking a, what is effectively a part of the EU with you if you create this hard border. So you can't create that hard border. But May feels that she has to create the hard border to keep the people who are supporting her and keeping her in government. So it's another example of these people just being a bunch of feckless idiots They're who have hoisted on their own petards and need a good slap. Completely, completely corn themselves. And I would be, I would be fully willing to slap <laughs> any member of the British establishment. <laughs> we have I mean, a volunteer. I'd do that myself. And I wouldn't outsource that one. I think, okay. Joe, you need to start a, a new YouTube series about all the people that you're, yeah. you're going to slap. I think you'll yeah, I'll just support. get like a, a gif of a big fish or something. And yeah. Every time I mention a person, I can just have like a, them being slapped with a fish. You know, I can get someone to do that for me. Yeah. All right. It's the only way to bring sanity back to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we'll call it a night there, guys, will we? <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's call it no a night. No more slapping. No more slapping. Until next time. <laughs> Slap happy. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. So, everyone, take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See Talk you next to you soon. Week. Bye. Bye-bye.